There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. A little white lie may seem harmless at first, but has the very real potential of snowballing into something much bigger and much more dangerous. On July 19th, 2004, Lori K. Soares Hacking went missing while on her daily jog. And when the dust settled on her tragic case, the finger would be pointed to a man hell-bent on keeping a secret to himself. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Lori K. Soares, born December 31st, 1976, met her future husband, Mark Douglas Hacking, while on a trip with some friends to Lake Powell, Utah in 1994. From the moment she and Mark met, the perfect couple became inseparable, and over the course of their 10-year relationship, became the envy of their friends who saw them as a strong, intimate, and deeply in love couple. In the early 2000s, Mark graduated from the University of Utah with honors and got accepted into a medical school in North Carolina, meaning the pair had to make exciting plans to move to Chapel Hill so he could attend. This was around the same time that Lori found out she was five weeks pregnant with the couple's first child. Everything was going perfectly for the hackings during what was supposed to be an exciting time of change. On the morning of July 19, 2004, 28-year-old Mark Hacking went out and bought a new mattress for their impending move. And when he got back, he noticed that Lori still wasn't back from her morning jog. Finding it odd, he called over to Lori's office at Wells Fargo, a job she was in the process of leaving in anticipation of their relocation, and asked if Lori had reported in. When the colleague responded in the negative, Mark made a call to 911 to report his 27-year-old pregnant wife missing. Now, Lori's case came right on the heels of the Elizabeth Smart case, so her disappearance was taken extremely seriously and an intense investigation began almost immediately. Everyone wanted to know where the young mother was, with the Salt Lake Tribune posting an article telling readers that Mark had frantically run Lori's three-mile jogging route both ways trying desperately to find his wife. There were no signs of Lori and friends and family began to gather to try and help with the search. The following day, Lori's family held a press conference publicly pleading for any information on their daughter and friend, while a crusade of 1,200 volunteers began searching the park she jogged in and littered the town with hundreds of missing persons posters. While Mark did what he could to help in the search effort, a call came in on July 20th at around 2 a.m. that would put a small pause on the investigation. While police arrived at a disturbance call at the Chase Suite Hotel, just about half a mile from the hacking's apartment, they found Mark running around wearing only a pair of shoes and having some sort of a psychotic break. Chalked up to a man overcome by grief, his family checked him into a psychiatric unit at a local hospital and continued the search for Lori without him. But while he sat in a hospital room trying to cope with his loss, police started to look into all of the aspects of Lori's life. And when they did, they landed on some strange information, not about her, but about Mark hacking. Mark told Lori and her family that he had graduated with honors and a degree in psychology from the University of Utah 
and that he had been accepted at a medical school in North Carolina. Hence, Lori quitting her job and packing their whole lives up in boxes in preparation for their big move. In reality, Mark Hacking had been keeping a secret from almost everyone that would completely turn Lori's life upside down. Dr. Douglas Hacking, Mark's father, realized after his son's committal that he needed to come to police with some difficult information. His son was not an honors graduate on the path to a white coat. In fact, he never even received his bachelor's degree, nor had he been accepted into that medical school in North Carolina. Almost everything about Mark's academic career was a complete lie brought on by an intense pressure to excel. Many started to wonder if Mark could lie so elaborately about his education, who's to say he wasn't lying about what happened to his wife? Lori's family was shocked by his deception, but knew that they had to continue to focus on Lori's whereabouts, believing that just because he lied about school didn't mean he was capable of something so dark as getting rid of his pregnant wife. The police weren't so sure, so they started to shift their investigation slightly and Mark Hacking was named a person of interest while they re-looked at some of the evidence in this new light. According to the investigation, on the day that the police responded to the 911 call, they conducted a search of the couple's apartment, took evidence from the box spring, took the receipt for the new mattress and bedding, as well as a number of carpet swatches, some of Lori's clothing, and a letter written by her, and found a bloody knife in the bedside drawer of the couple's room. Realizing what this evidence was pointing to, police went looking for the missing mattress that Mark was replacing the morning of her disappearance. It was later found cut up in a trash bin near the University of Utah Hospital where Mark worked as an orderly and a clump of dark hair was found in the dumpster outside of a gas station near the hospital. As evidence continued to pile up, things weren't looking good for Mark or for Lori. Police were pretty certain Lori was no longer just a missing person and were almost positive that Mark had something to do with it. Her family prepared for the worst, refused to give up hope, but at the very least, they wanted to find her body so they could give her and her unborn baby the burial they deserved. On July 24, 2004, Lance and Scott Hacking went to the psychiatric ward to visit their brother and pleaded with him to tell them the truth about Lori. They gave him the afternoon to think it over, and when they returned that evening, Mark broke down and admitted to killing his wife. From what police could figure, on July 16, 2004, Lori called over to the University of North Carolina Medical School to get some information concerning her husband's financial aid. That's when she was told that not only did Mark have no aid, but that he wasn't even enrolled in the school. According to her colleagues, Lori started to cry after that phone call and even left work early so she could speak with her husband. Though at the time, they didn't know what was making her so upset. They had no idea that Lori had, over the course of just one phone call, found out that her entire future and a large portion of her marriage was a complete lie. Later that night, she called back over to the university and left a voicemail saying that, according to Mark, who was clearly sticking by his lies, The reason that he was not enrolled was due to a computer malfunction. It's unknown if Lori believed this new piece of Mark's elaborate lie, but the pair attended a party at her supervisor's cabin that night and, according to a witness, seemed back to their normal, perfect selves. 
However, a few days later, on July 18th, Mark shockingly admitted to Lori that he, quote, lied about his education and future plans, which resulted in a huge argument and Lori going off to bed alone. It was that night that, according to the court documents, Mark got a 22 caliber rifle and at around 1 a.m., shot his wife in the head while she was sleeping. Mark then wrapped her body up in a trash bag and the bloody top of their mattress and disposed of her body at around 2 a.m. before disposing of the evidence in various other locations. The day after he made this horrifying confession to his brothers, they went to the police and relayed his entire confession. Mark Douglas Hacking was arrested on August 2nd, 2004 and charged with one count of first-degree murder and three of obstructing justice. He was held on a $1 million bond. With his arrest came the end of the two-week-long search for the young mother that involved thousands of volunteers and the beginning of a police search for Lori's body at the Salt Lake County landfill. While investigators worked hard to find her body, lawyers worked to build their cases. The prosecution had, in their opinion, more than enough evidence against Mark Hacking, so much so that Lori's body would just be the final nail in his coffin and a final piece of closure for her family. They had a letter written by Lori expressing her pain towards Mark's lies, the knife used to cut the mattress away, more than enough forensic evidence from their bedroom, and surveillance that showed Mark entering a store for cigarettes and carefully inspecting his fingers and hands before driving away in his wife's car, a car that was later found abandoned in the park that she had allegedly gone missing from, and a second video that showed images of what is likely Mark disposing of the body in a dumpster. And if none of that was enough... Lori's badly decomposed body was finally located on October 1st, 2004, and 28 days later, Mark's initial hearing began with a plea of not guilty despite his family's wishes who just wanted to end this horrible chapter of their lives. Months passed and finally on April 15th, 2005, that plea was changed to guilty in exchange for the drop of the other charges. The prosecution agreed, and on June 6, 2005, Mark Hacking was sentenced to six years to life for the murder of Lori Soares. He will not receive a parole hearing until 2035, meaning at minimum, he will see 30 years behind bars. This sentence was, of course, met with public outcry, with most saying it was far too lenient for such a brutal crime and for the lies Mark told to try and maintain his status as a grieving husband. Because of this, many fought to change Utah laws and regulations, and on March 20th, 2006, Lori's law was signed, stipulating that those convicted of first-degree murder in Utah must serve at least 15 years before parole could be considered. In the aftermath of the trial, the Soares family removed the name hacking from Lori's headstone and replaced it with the Portuguese word filihina, which means little daughter. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on July 20th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.